Well, hello again, my old friend. It's your old pal, B-Socks. And joining me on the line once again, he is from CinemaBlend.com. He talks about movies and such. It's Mike Reyes. Hey, Mike, what's going on? Uh, just your old pal, Mike Reyes, over here from CinemaBlend.com. I'm, I'm doing well. How about you, man? I'm hanging in there. Uh, so... Uh, another week, another set of movies coming out. Uh, we've got a lot more like trailers and uh, kind of weird stuff to talk about, so we'll get to that here in a minute. Of course, uh, two movies coming out this weekend. We are going to do some time traveling here. The The big one is obviously Scream 6, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, when, when you've got a legendary horror franchise that's been going since the 90s on sort of an on and off basis yeah it's kind of a kind of a big deal when you get to episode six and and in time for oscar weekend as well uh oh yeah i guess we could talk about the oscars at the end of this as well so (laughs) oh and chris rock since we're talking about that Yes. Uh, how how could we have possibly forgotten that? So, well, you know, it is what it is. So, uh, if you're here for the Scream Six stuff, we'll talk about that here at the end. Stick around. Uh, meanwhile, one of the movies coming out this weekend, Adam Driver is a part of it. Uh, sixty-five million is the name of it, right? Uh, sixty-five. Oh, sixty-five. I thought it was sixty-five million. Nope. 65. Really? Did they change that at some point? Okay, so so this, let's, let's just go on a little join us, folks, for a small <laughs> rant here, because uh, a small diversion, not so much a rant, but yeah, they uh, it is called 65, but in all the commercials they put like million years ago, because they kind of have to flesh out that, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is supposed to be something involving Adam Driver and dinosaurs. Yeah. However, Adam Driver in uh, recent interviews is like, yeah, uh, this isn't a time travel movie. We're not going 65 million years into the past. It's apparently a parallel Earth that apparently he's crossed over into with these other passengers because it looks like they're like a colony ship where there's other passengers on the the craft with yeah. him where he crash lands and oh my god it was Earth all along but it's a, apparently another Earth. Your guess is as good as mine. I don't know why they are releasing this the same weekend as Scream Six and why they really haven't they have not done too much with the uh, promo. Screenings. Like I didn't, I actually didn't get an invite to this one. I like Adam Driver when he does stuff like this, military-wise, because he has the training, so he can make it look real. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, in case anybody's forgotten, uh, Adam Driver is a was a Marine. You just said something that made me wonder: Is this going to be a, like a Planet of the Apes twist at the end? Well, it already sounds like it's a Planet of the Apes sort of twist, where it's uh, that mixed with timeline, because it's like, oh, it's not going back in the past; it's shifting parallel to another universe that is at that point in time yeah was it timeline the one where they went back and they were on like the gold like they'd go back in time they had to stay on the trail they were on and they had to kill they got to kill a t-rex uh and it would die in the same place regardless and then someone stepped on a plant or something and it changed everything no that's sound of thunder is it really sound of thunder is the one that's that's the 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 flop based off of a ray bradbury novel where yeah they they have to hunt on the path Otherwise, they step on a butterfly. Everything you know goes. Okay, you know, yes, you're this the one. I, you know, the one you're talking about is Paul Walker. Yeah, yeah, it's the Michael Crichton adaptation where like they go to medieval France, but it's not going back in time. It's supposed to be you're shifting into a, a parallel dimension where at that point in time. Okay. <laughs> All right, I was wrong. I apologize, everybody. Hi, my editor friend found out that. 
he had a screening, but it was nine o'clock tomorrow. It's nine o'clock the morning of release date, like the Thursday. Yeah. Like nine o'clock Thursday morning. And we're, we were all sort of talking about this and scratching our heads like, why would they do that? And I'm thinking they want to get this movie out because the quicker it goes out, the quicker it goes to Netflix. Because Sony has a deal with Netflix. Okay. So I'm assuming this movie goes straight to Netflix once it's time to go to like this the tv premiere window so it uh, this is which ties into something you and i have been talking about lately this may become one of those movies where it doesn't do anything at the box office but then you go to netflix and it's like oh i wanted to see that and yeah people watch and it's like not bad. and then next thing you know it's number one. Oh yeah the r.i.p.d effect <laughs> Which that's I a, still can't believe that's number one on Netflix. It's weird, right? The Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges movie, right? Yeah. Oh, I just have you seen it that in theaters. I saw it in theaters because I was going to see it in 3D. I was kind of excited about the concept. I just love Jeff Bridges. Yeah, he's wonderful. But anyways, Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com joining me on the line right now. This week, there's been an interesting week for uh, some stuff kind of like hitting the web. Uh, new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie is coming out. Uh, it's being done by uh, Seth Rogen. And uh, very, very interesting anim- uh, animation style on this. Oh, yeah. Um, I uh, Obviously, there's parallels to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, but there's also a little bit of Mitchells versus the Machines in there. And I think there's members of both teams involved in this movie, so that makes a lot of sense. But especially with, I think it was Donatello's character design, kind of looks like the girl from Mitchells versus the Machines, like right down to the glasses and the shape of the eyes. It looks cool. It does look cool. I I really haven't done anything Turtles-wise since I was a kid because I was into those, like, that first trilogy of live-action movies, and I haven't really gone back since. But this trailer actually looked... I, I would go see this. I would definitely go see this. And I'm hoping they do this in 3D because it looks ready. But there's an amazing cast. And like like you said, Seth Rogen is one of the producers behind this. He's also playing Bebop to John Cena's Rocksteady. <laughs> so if you need anything to sell you on this movie, besides the fact that you've got like Hannibal Burris, Rose Byrne, Paul Rudd, Maya Rudolph, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, among others in this cast, you've got Seth Rogen and John Cena as Bebop and Rocksteady. How that doesn't steal the movie, I don't know. And also Jackie Chan as Master Splinter. By the way, John Cena-related news, uh, his appearance on WWE Monday Night Raw this week was pretty outstanding. I did not see that, but that's pretty awesome he uh showed up and there was uh there was some jokes about the last time he wrestled it looked like he was going bald in the back a little bit and uh the guy they're setting him up against is his name's austin theory and they're doing a back and forth and he said something about being bald and john said something to the effect of i'd rather be going bald than them have to pipe in crowd noise when i wrestle oh yeah it was it was cold but uh fired (laughs) <laughs> but uh, go back to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. I think it looks cool. I think it looks like it looks like it'll be a fun Ninja Turtles movie where it 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 finally feels like they're kids. Does that make sense? Yeah, like even going back to those other movies, that was very much you're playing for the PG thirteen sort of yeah. sweet spot where kids could enjoy it, but there was very much stuff for adults, stuff for grown kids. Like it was. This is actually teenage. Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Did I read it or see it on TikTok this week? It was somebody had a breakdown of what the uh, the TMNT movie, which I really enjoyed that movie. 
We saw that in theaters, and I loved it. Oh, yeah, that's the the computer-animated one where they had, uh, I think it was Sarah Michelle Gellar with April O'Neil, Chris Evans with Casey Jones, and then Patrick Stewart was the villain. Yeah, it was wonderful. It was a great movie. But anyways, I saw something that somebody, what the story for the sequel to that was going to be. Oh, what was that? Um, and again, I don't remember where I saw it. It was either on TikTok or like a YouTube short or something like that or an art. I, it was a video. I know that. But um, they said that it was going to be a thing where Raphael, Leonardo, Donatello, and Splinter were all going to be unmutified or unmutagened or whatever. And Michelangelo was only going to be the only one still there. You, okay. So you want to – all right. Based on my limited knowledge – of what's gone on with the Ninja Turtles, that excites me for one reason. Wasn't Michelangelo the last Ronin? Yes. In that set that there was like a recent comic where everyone else had died and he was sort of yeah. like carrying on the quest of vengeance. That excites me because I don't know if that was around the time that arc sort of started to hatch because I don't really know the timeline perfectly. But that's really cool that that sort of idea. I'm sorry. I know what it was. It was a poster. It was a poster in a video and they said that that was going to be the story because you even saw the helmet of the shredder in the background a little bit. I love that idea and it, it, it just because out of all of the the turtles, Michelangelo was the one that was always the class clown and sort of yeah. the immature one. So forcing him to grow up like that is obvious. That's obviously a move that anyone would want to make with that story if they had their hands on it. And that's really cool that that was the the angle. Anyways, uh, Mutant Mayhem. I'm excited for Turtles, man. I am too. When's that supposed to be coming out? Uh, August this year. That is out in August. Yeah. I'll be taking Jace to that. And you know what? I might even take the wife to it because she's a big Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan. So Yeah. Oh, man. I, I can't wait for it. Uh, one of the other trailers we got, and it's not really a big name trailer by any stretch, but it just looked like fun because there's some role reversal in there. But uh, Chris Evans, uh, he's got a new movie coming out. I believe it's in April, if I remember the trailer right. But it's called Ghosted, and... Long story short, it's Chris Evans gets ghosted by a lady that he has some relations with, and he tries to hunt her down, and then uh, things go sideways when he finds out she's in the CIA. Yeah, and that lady happens to be played by Ana de Armas, who Chris Evans has worked with before in Knives Out, as well as Netflix's The Gray Man, although they weren't as paired off in that one as Knives Out. This is their third movie together, and it will be going to Apple TV+, Plus, streaming on April 24th. First, if I remember correctly, yeah, this this looks absolutely hysterical. You've got Chris Evans playing the the lovesick lead who like wants to show a grand gesture of romance and and chase after this girl that he loves, and then he gets roped into espionage hijinks. <laughs> and at one point, it looks like a revolving restaurant goes out of control. Yeah. And I want to see that. It looks good. I like seeing him do things because, I mean, he's done so much with the Steve Rogers and Captain America stuff. It's fun to see him do some of this other stuff because he's so good at it. Oh, yeah. Like, I think a lot of we've gotten to a point now where people recognize him more for Cap than for any any other romantic comedies or other comedies that he did prior to that. And uh, not to mention him playing just these anything from a villainous type to just sarcastic lovable dude yeah and now to see him go back to that and to go back to wearing facial hair it's like he's sort of (laughs) re-embracing his previous career and it's i would say this is a pretty big name thing because people have been following this quite intensely because of the fact that you know 
it's him and Ana de Armas in this big action movie. Oh, it's going to streaming. But it looks, it just looks like a, a total blast, and I can't wait to see this. Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com on the line with me right now. So that kind of do, does it for the trailers we saw this week. I mean, it's Wednesday. There could be more coming out, but who knows at this point. want to touch on a couple other things before uh, we get to that uh, Scream 6 part. History of the World Part 2. Yay or nay on this? Yay. A thousand times <laughs> yay, and I'm... I'm kind of surprised. Well, I'm not that surprised, but I'm still kind of saddened that there's been, I've seen reactions that say, oh, this, this is horrible. I shut it off in the middle of the first episode. I shut it off when I saw X was involved, like whatever star you want to bring in. Yeah. All I can say is this was never going to be a soup to nuts Mel Brooks production. That was never going to happen. He's clearly in a point right now where he's reflecting on his career more than adding to his resume. And obviously he's the narrator. He's a producer. He's a writer. He's giving guidance to this thing without, you know, act, without controlling it. The, in fact, uh, the three forces that I know of that are controlling it, or at least the three that everyone's been talking about are Ike Barinholtz, Wanda Sykes, and uh, why am I playing? Uh, Nick Kroll. Yeah, like they're the three heavy, the three that are doing the heavy lifting in terms of like producing and starring. It is, it is. This is the spirit of History of the World Part One. The spirit is nailed. It is just comedic vignettes <laughs> going through all sorts of points of time. The, the cast that they pull into here. Have you watched any of it? I've watched. Uh... Like the first one that came out, and we're about halfway through the second one. Okay, so minor spoilers for anybody who wants to go in not knowing what comes up, and I suggest that highly because the bit I'm about to mention took me by surprise. Jack Rasp. <laughs> Johnny Knoxville. You've seen it, right? Please tell me you've seen that. Yes. <laughs> Johnny Knoxville and the Jackass group. Reenacting deaths of Rasputin, theme music and everything. That is one of my favorites. I think episode two has Curb Your Judaism, yeah, which is basically Judas. Judas's story told as if it's Curb Your Enthusiasm, where Nick Kroll's playing a Larry David style Judas. Uh, they've got JB Smooth, who's also on Curb Your Enthusiasm. They got Richard Kind in there too. <laughs> There's just such inspired. Like you there go are such inspired bits here. You go from and something am, like that. To the uh, the D Day, the everybody getting sick, oh. the Rasputin stuff. I don't know why, but I was laughing my ass off at Abe Lincoln. Oh, I'm a tall man. I'm a tall boy. He. <laughs> oh, I love that. I don't that know why, but it it was funny. See the thi- the thing that I love about this is one of my one of the minor points that came up when I was first watching it is I kind of wished for another History of the World Part Two movie because I liked how there were vignettes but there was also longer stories that played out in the movie. But after watching the first two nights, this is a four night e- event that concludes on Thursday. So by the time you hear us, you'll be able to watch all eight half hours on Hulu. The- I love the fact that they are allowed to break up the stories that the stories can be told. Over a longer time, there's a even bigger, there's even greater roster of guest stars and jokes. There's wonderful references to Mel Brooks movies in here. Yeah. And the two big ones I've seen are in that whole Civil War thing, they go to Rock Ridge, West Virginia, and there's a sign right in the town that says, Rock Ridge, not that Rock Ridge. Yeah. Just nice tip of the hat to Blazing Saddles. And then there's a Russian Revolution segment that includes a deep cut from the producers 
the original 1969 movie, which was, you know, Mel Brooks' first movie. Yeah. But I'm watching this thing. I'm la- I'm already laughing in hysterics. And then that happens, and I was just pushed over. I've been howling with every episode, howling with laughter. And I've just had, I mean, even even with, like, the jokes that aren't as laugh out loud but still pretty funny, it's not wearing itself thin. No. It's not pushing anything past the point of, overstaying its welcome and i think it's the brevity and the variety of bits that are really helping the, finally seeing hitler on ice done <laughs> like finally seeing that realized and i think it was done in such a not only did they they use some of the original footage but then the payoff for the whole thing where you see the the broadcasters just reading off the scores like ah that's a f- you from poland and it's like, oh, well, they're going back to the bunker. And, <laughs> and France like gives them a 10. <laughs> they're busting Hitler's chops, and then they go into the whole Mussolini joke. I, it's I well done. And I, 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 I don't know for certain, but I think Jews in Space is going to be one of the last bits. I'm hoping they still do a Viking funeral, because those were the three bits they promised at the end of History of the World Part 1. It was Hitler on ice. Jews in space and the Viking funeral. Viking funeral is the only one I don't know will happen, but it looks like there. Uh, Sarah Silverman's part of the uh, the Jews in space thing. Like I've seen clips in the previews that oh, look that's like awesome. that's where they're going. There you go, Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com joining me on the line to talk about movies and TVs and such. We still got the uh, Scream Six stuff coming up here shortly. Uh, before we get to it, I want to touch on The Last of Us because. Uh, that show just keeps hitting bullseyes on its uh, on its uh, different episodes that have come out, and this last week was so good. Oh yeah, oh man! I mean, for the past couple episodes, it's really become Ellie's show. Yeah, like you, you could make an argument that it was, for the most part, both of their shows, but really more focusing on Joel and his decisions. But obviously since the things that happened a couple episodes ago where since he got stabbed at the end of that episode yeah we've seen ellie caring for joel flashing back into her life and seeing her first you know when she got bit and her first big heartbreak in life yeah and now we see her trying to protect joel tooth and nail and getting into a situation where she massacres someone who totally deserves it and watching that is just it's satisfying, but at the same time, it almost feels like a warning of, okay, this is sort of a point of no return for this young girl. Like from this point on childhood and any sort of innocence and, and carefree life has just gone out the window. You know what I didn't realize until I heard it later? What? That the voice of Joel is in this episode. Yes, I did. I saw that. And uh, I, well, they, they had said that he was going to be in there to begin with. And that just leads to the fact that I love how they've brought in voices from the, the game. And except for one character, one of the Fireflies from the first episode, all of the other voices that have been brought in and will be brought in because someone pops up in the, this weekend's finale, I've heard, they have played different characters. They're not like they're Joel's obviously not playing Joel. Yeah. But uh, like the original actor that played his brother played one of the lieutenants in the uh, in the uh, Kansas City episode where Melanie Linsky's uh, ruling over the the fallen QZ. Like her right hand man was Paul was originally Joel's brother on in the game. Okay. And you know after this weekend we'll be able to talk about someone else who comes in. But 
I do love that they've sort of woven that in as like this really neat thread of connection. Yeah. They've done a really, I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen a better adaptation of a, of a video game. Even someone, as someone who hasn't played through the full game, I can notice that because like even those first couple episodes getting that, the first two episodes are about as far as I've gotten in the actual game and knowing that stuff and watching it take place on screen, that still got me like Joel's daughter getting shot in the first episode still wrecked me watching it happen, knowing it was going to happen. And then they cut to that other kid who's in the QZ and they take him out because he's yeah. infected. But I mean, just, in, just okay, we're, it, it, it feels like, uh, and sorry to cut you off. Usually with video yeah. games being turned into something, it usually feels like square peg round hole because the, the video game world version of it isn't big enough. It doesn't have enough backstory or setup to become a story. It's usually just point A to point B, here's your mission, watch out for the zombies or, you know, whatever it happens to be, right? Well, yeah, because as much of a story as there is with, even like with Last of Us, which has been always been lauded as a very cinematic game that has an, a point A to point B fleshed out story you could tell. The open-ended and sort of gr- open-ended nature and grinding nature of a video game has always given you the chance to sort of fill in certain gaps if you wanted to or do certain things and be part of the action. So turning that into a passive experience is something that's very needs to be done very carefully. Yeah. And it's sort you have to walk that balance of either you know to make sure you're not giving too much in either direction. You're not skimping out on details, but at the same time you're not over explaining and over filling in those yeah. It's not a it's not a video game but it's kind of the same thing. It's like the Transformers series from the TV and all yeah. that to Michael Bay or when they try and do it with He-Man or GI Joe or something where you have the sh- the cartoon or whatever and then all of a sudden you need enough background to do a movie and then people start filling in the blanks. It's like, "Uh, oh boy, I don't know about this." I mean, those were toy lines that were turned into actual narratives and stories. So yeah, you're you're especially in, I, in, I know. in an especially interesting place with that. Yeah, I, I know it's not the exact same pattern. thing, but it, it was kind of the same ballpark, uh, I guess. It is very much in the same ballpark because you have these toys. There's only so much of a story that they put into them when it, when they develop the lines and they develop the characters. Yeah. Then they develop those TV, the original TV shows and movies. And then by the time you get to the Michael Bay movies in like 2007, Transformers was like, what, 85 that kicked off? Yeah. You've got all of this lore and all of these other subsections that people are going into those movies with. Like, we're finally getting a Beast Wars movie this year with Transformers Rise of the Beasts. How long have people been waiting for that ever since they announced that live action was happening? Yeah. Like, there, there's just so much baggage that came with what they did do to develop that world that when you got to Michael Bay, you had every every criticism from, oh, Optimus Prime wouldn't do that, to, oh, wow, you took like an hour to get to your Transformers in your Transformers movie. Yeah, but I got to see uh, Megan Fox bend over a car. That was a scene in that movie. I like Megan Fox. Transformers. I, she's a, I would like to talk to her. I don't know what about, but she's, she's someone I would legitimately like to talk to. I have a feeling she would be a really fun interview, especially sort of being this removed from, you know, she obviously became a massive sex symbol when she did Transformers. So sort of dealing with that coverage in the press, because let's, let's face it, the, the, the early mid aughts weren't exactly the best time to be a female celebrity. 
especially if you were being covered by the press. So, I mean, just it would be interesting to talk to her about that and also just how everybody's sort of been flocking to Jennifer's body like years after it came out. Like there was obviously a dedicated fan base, but now that that's a movie that's sort of coming back and getting more appreciation. And it would be really interesting to sort of talk to her about how she feels about that. And, you know, was it always a movie that she felt was right yeah. for that? Or was she upset that it didn't really get that in the beginning? You know, just, and plus all of the Machine Gun Kelly stuff, would, if she was open to talking about that, would be very interesting to sort of go into. We went, we somehow went from The Last of Us to Megan Fox and Transformers. Well, because of the, all the lore. Yeah. Because of the discussion of adapting lore. I know, but at the beginning of this, I never thought that we'd go from The Last of Us to Transformers and Megan Fox. That's part of why people should be listening to us. You never know what you're going to get into on this show. And it's fun. Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com joining me on the line to talk about movies and such. All right, let's jump over to uh, Scream 6. We'll do some tri- time traveling, and uh, there'll be some sound effects and some uh, pretty lights. Just stare at them. Time travel. Don't forget the Oscars. Ah, shit. Yeah. All right. Backwards. <laughs> what? We're right back where we started from. <laughs> Time travel failed. Um, r- okay, real, real, real quick with the Oscars and Chris Rock and stuff. Is the Oscars this weekend? Yes, the Oscars are this weekend, the same night as the Last of Us finale. And I hate that for me because I'm going to be covering the Oscars because that's just that's something you do. It's an event that, you know, if you're in entertainment journalism, that's an event to keep track of. But I'm sad that I'm going to have to delay watching The Last of Us because I'm not going to watch it without my wife because we watched that together. You know what's interesting about this Oscars? uh, uh, What? And this is coming from just normal, you know, run-of-the-mill person in this world. I haven't seen shit about the Oscars this year. Really? Yeah. Like, I've seen things here and there. I've seen people talking about it, but... I. I, I can't. I don't. I can't remember the last time it was really a cultural staple, except for if something happened. I can remember when, like, when we were doing the morning show and stuff, the Oscars would come up because, oh, you got to talk about, you know, this and this and this, and who are the front runners, and you know, uh, the I could I could legitimately say the most I've talked about the Oscars or heard about the Oscars is talking to you. Yeah, that's I, that's basically it. That's you know, we talk about it. And that's in like I haven't seen commercials, I haven't seen ads, I haven't heard like or seen articles, you know, such and such needs to win, or you know, this is going to be robbery if they don't win, or you know, whatever have you. I just haven't seen anything about it. Huh? Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just I would never have known that it was this weekend until you said something. Like there was, there, there actually was a pretty funny. Uh, bit of comedy that they did for were announcing that Jimmy Kimmel was hosting that where they took the scene from Top Gun that they're doing the briefing with Maverick and they got John Hamm and Charles Parnell back to play their roles again and they're like you you know we went through a lot of choices before we went to you and he's like really don't tell me who and they're like oh plenty of people Steve Martin Steve uh, Carell all this, <laughs> and that's just all the Steves like there I'll have to send you the link but it was actually a legitimately funny bit that I'm hoping indicates the tone of this year's show although obviously you're going to have to wonder how many slap jokes are going to get made how early is the slap oh they're already i just i did a search for the oscars here and everything that popped up uh was uh jimmy kimmel making uh slap jokes and not ready for violence and 
uh, he'll beat the s out of anybody that uh, slaps him at the Oscars. Yeah, that's that's the that's the that's the spirit. Yeah, should be going out guns blazing like that. That'll so, solve everything. Uh, with that in mind, uh, you did get the uh, Chris Rotten neck. Chris Rock Netflix uh, special this past weekend. I watched the part where he talks about Will Smith and Jada and stuff on TikTok. Very interesting stuff. Go ahead. No, you first. I was just going to say, one of my predictions kind of came through. Um, Which was that? That uh, you have a certain group of people going back trying to turn him into the bad guy in this situation for how he's responded. I don't think anyone's going back to do that. I think that those lines were drawn very clearly the moment it happened and those lines have held fast. No, I mean those like now like very much more. like where I was saying last week when we talked about this that he has to be very careful about how he goes about it because he could be almost turned into the villain in this. And yeah, I've no, seen I, I remember that. And uh there's been people about, you know, how uh, how he's referring to Jada and uh, some of the other stuff that they're going after him about. Yeah, I think that was always going to happen. Just because that those, the, if anything, those ranks have been even more tightly enforced. Where you have that split, the the sort of split decision of, oh yeah, he really handled it well. To ah, great, this is just old man yelling at clouds and more problematic humor, and you did not handle this well. And no matter what side you were on, I'm sure, I don't know if they've released official numbers, but I'm sure Netflix won. Yeah. Because (laughs) this was not only released as a live stream. It was pre-recorded, but it was released as a live stream, so it was like an event. You couldn't just go to Netflix and watch it all at once or skip to the end. It was a live stream. So they were ensuring viewers. But they also had a pre-show and an after show, which had like a whole bunch of comedians and guest stars that were together to sort of hang out and discuss the whole thing. And they they kind of won that night. And But like you said, uh, the moment that special ended, I went to Twitter to take a look and see what people had shared, what people were saying. And sure enough, like the most of the stuff that was being shared was the from the Will Smith bit. And I may have seen the whole thing, if not yeah. the, the relevant parts of it. I think it's like a whole it's basically the last ten minutes of the special. Yeah. And you know what? He 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 oh, he had some passion in that stuff. Oh, he did. And that is definitely uh that's what's really sort of pushed the needle in either direction when it comes to handling this and apparently i i think there is a rumored there was rumored reaction that will uh, of will smith where apparently he and jada didn't watch it but i think they i'm just gonna look at it very quickly because i'm i'm not so i I don't want to get this incorrect because you know i obviously don't want to get sued by anyone or hurt anybody's feelings or misrepresent anything but reportedly they, someone had said, let's see, blah, blah, blah. oh, according to Entertainment Tonight, a source had said, Will is embarrassed and hurt by what Chris has said about him and his family in his Netflix special. He didn't watch it, but he had people tell him what Chris said. It's everywhere when you look online and on social media. So Will and Jada have seen comments about it. Well, how are they Will not going to, to see? And would like, Will apologize to Chris and would like for Chris to let it go. Will has worked on himself and he's banned by the Oscars for 10 years. He feels like that is, that's enough and wants Chris to move on so that he and everybody else can too. That's something I kind of, oh, oh, and then the, 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 this continues because this, this is a big quote. Will is also upset that Netflix was part of this and thinks Chris insulting Jada again is below the belt. 
He's upset that Netflix gave Chris this platform to share these messages and thinks it's distasteful. Now, that's interesting because I don't know if it's still happening, but I could have sworn that at one point Will Smith was going to work with Netflix again and maybe on a bright sequel. Like, I know that was, I don't know if they fully canceled it or what, but I know that was in the works. But I kind of agree in in the respect that I want it all to go. Like, I'm hoping Oscar night is the last time we really have to discuss the slap. I don't know if it will be just because it feels like the final chapter would be Will and Chris in a room doing an interview together, burying it once and for all on camera confirmed. There's another nine or 10 years of this because it's not going to go away because it's, it's a ban for 10 years and it's going to come up around. Oh, you remember, you know, Will Smith still got six years. I think even that'll fade. To be honest, that's not the that's not the sexy part to people. What's really sexy is just the turmoil between Rock and Smith and what is being said and how people react and just eventually it that's that's what's fueling the fire here. And I just want it to stop. I get I it. The, the other then. the other thing that's going to bring it up all the time is if Will Smith has a movie that's uh, up for an Oscar. Yeah, and we already saw that at least for this year that was not happening. Even though in any other year. You would think emancipation would be something that would automatically get nominations. It wouldn't. Yeah. It may not automatically win, but that seems like a movie that would be primed to get nominations, and that didn't happen. So, uh, Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com, joined to be on the line to talk about movies and such. Uh, we could we cool to do time travel now? Yeah, I think we're good. Wow! Time travel. Ow! Not supposed to put your arms outside the time travel vehicle. I couldn't resist. Time travel complete. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. It's Friday, and Mike Reyes has seen Scream 14 at this point. Have you not? Oh, no, I've only gotten up to six. Oh, okay. I, my, uh, my apologies. But let me tell you, the things that I've heard about Scream 8, oh, forget <laughs> it. You're, just, you're not ready for that. You're uh, clearly not ready for that. All right, all right, all right. So tell us about Scream 6. Um... Obviously, the sixth movie in the franchise. I don't have any clue what's happening here because I, I have not seen Scream 3, 4, 5, or 6. Well, that was the case with me before I decided to go and binge all of them in the course of like a day or so <laughs> in order to get or a day or two to get ready for Scream 6 because I initially went to see this because of the 3D. I was like, okay, there's a Scream movie playing in 3D. That excites me, but I haven't seen the sequels. So I just rewatched the first one and then I watched all the others. This is a pretty solid sequel. And the, I, this is a pretty solid sequel to a pretty solid series. Like even when things kind of dipped a little bit with three and four, at least in my first viewing, they're still tight. They still form to the, they still adhere to the formula. They pull exciting twists out of their hat. And that leads us to Scream 6, where Sam and Tara played by Melissa Barrera and uh, I'm blank. Jenna Ortega are in New York. They're going to college uh, or at least I think, I don't know if one or both of them is going to college, but they're both in New York after surviving the events of Scream 2022. For some reason, it's not Scream 5. It's Scream 2022. Another, okay. another sly commentary on like renaming your new movie after the original when it's a sequel. But anyway, the sisters are in town along with uh, two of their other friends that survived those events. They're all now known as the core four and they are being hunted 
yet again by someone wearing a mask that I could have sworn at this point would have been outlawed by parents. <laughs> like you would have thought at this point in the screen universe, at least in the town of Woodsboro, but even nationwide, you think there would be like a public moral panic of we can't let people buy these masks because they're copycatting and also the children are, yeah, are, yeah, are yeah, making yeah. fun of it someone think of the children okay so it works though for but, what it sounds like oh it works so much I, the humor is still there it's radio silence the pair of directors that took over starting with last year's requel they're they're interested in a bloodier more vicious scream like the ghost faces in the past two movies have been, it's not just a simple knife to the stomach. It's stab, 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 <laughs> twist, stab through cheek. If you're a gore fan, you're going to love it. If you are a horror fan, you're going to love it. It continues to be as funny and as thrilling. And honestly, I think that Scream may be undervalued as, as a whodunit. Because everybody talks about the horror aspects for the most part. But no one really talks about how these are pretty clever whodunits, like not very like they don't go too deep because obviously you need to save room for kills and, and jokes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there's pretty decent like there's enough to keep people guessing every time. Like, OK, who's the killer now? How are they connected? All right. And it's, it's just a blast. And it's really fun in 3D. I wish there were some. I wish there were some really good ghost face kills with a knife coming at you. But anytime like a gun's on screen, the guns are really like they did a really good job of having those point out at you. Especially that one kill you see in the trailer where Ghostface has a shotgun and has it like aimed down at some dude that aims right at you. Oh wow! All right, well, cool. Scream uh, Six. Uh, is a winner. We'll have to uh, go see it this weekend. Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com on the line with me right now. Uh, real quick, you did say that you had another movie that you had seen, correct? Ah, uh, yes. Now, if anybody is a fan of Idris Elba's series Luther, Netflix has the first film that they're looking to make out of that series called Luther the Fallen Son. And it's uh, another interesting who well not a who done it so much as a how catch him I guess okay. kind of like that that that's another term that originated with like Columbo I think we talked about it in another episode but Idris Elba is matching wits with Andy Serkis who is a vicious criminal that has this big scheme and like this really big sort of it's almost like a Bond villain sort of scheme okay. And, like, he has people everywhere. He puts Luther in jail in the beginning of this movie. And then Idris Elba then escapes prison, breaks all the rules, and is hunting this guy down. And, you know, it's him versus Andy Serkis. Cynthia Erivo's in there, too. You may remember her from Bad Times at the El Royale or Harriet, among other films. She is also fantastic. Uh, very solid thriller that has some set pieces that obviously you wouldn't really do with a TV show or you'd love to do with a TV show, but usually don't have the time and budget, but they had it this time. And it's just, it is very good pulpy detective fun. Idris Elba, of course, just commanding. This is his bond. This is something that, you know, he, he took himself out of the running not too long ago because for years, everybody had hoped he would be a candidate to replace Daniel Craig or succeed Daniel Craig as James Bond. That never happened. And eventually he just got to a point where he's like, I'm kind of sick of people asking me about this, but <laughs> you know, I, I, that's not for me. Luther is what I'm going to be doing. I can totally see why. All right, cool. And that's on Netflix? And it's currently available to stream on Netflix, but some movie theaters near you may be playing it.
All right, cool. We'll have to look that up. Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com on the line. Uh, just to wrap up this week, uh, we have two more topics I want to cover before uh, we get going. Super oh, Mario... Well, it, the Super Mario Brothers, we got a new trailer for that. We've been talking about trailers all week, so we might as well do this one as well. I have a weird... I know there's some people out there that don't like Chris Pratt as Super Mario in this. I have an issue yeah. with it, but it's not the issue you think. Oh, what's your issue? My issue is pick which Mario you're going to be. Because in the trailer so far, we've either gotten the like Chris Pratt like just talking or it's in the weird Mario type. Like there's been a couple different versions of it where it's like I don't know what you're going for here if this will make sense at some point, but like pick which Mario you're going to be. I think it's always been that weird one because even from the Mushroom Kingdom here we come, it's like okay. And now it sort of sounds like he's putting on a little bit of the Brooklyn in this this trailer here. But that's kind of I didn't care about that because for the most part this new trailer is action and color yeah. and and big sequences and more of Jack Black's Bowser which I 150% approve of. Yeah. No, but I I don't have looks, an issue with that. It's going to be a lot of damn fun. No, that's the thing. It looks like it's going to be it, it looks like a a video game movie that's going to be done right. It looks good. I think there's going to be a lot of nostalgia in there and a lot of hey, I played that game. Hey, I remember that level. Oh, Rainbow Road, you know, that kind of thing. It's just that was the only it I don't have a problem with Chris Pratt being Mario. It just seems like they've had like three different versions of what they of what the voice is supposed to be, and, and I just want them to pick yeah. one so I can get used to it. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I I agree with you. It's like it needs to be something. It what, needs to have consistency. Are you Brooklyn? Are you Italian? Are you you know just Chris Pratt voice? What, which you can one? Be both. Just pick one. You can be both. You can be Brooklyn and Italian. What's the matter with you? I don't know. It just seems like it either goes, it, it, it floats to one of those in great amounts, in the little bits we've heard. So, I don't know. Oh, I got you. So, anyways, Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com online with me right now. Uh, to finish up this week, um, I want to I wanna end with Star Trek Picard. I had a feeling you would. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> well indeed captain um the episode this week is pretty blanking amazing and it's probably one of the Ooh. better episodes of star trek picard in general but it's also my only issue with it is it still floats in the area of Sometimes there are things that they do with the story that don't make sense. Yeah. Like something will happen and it's like, wait, what? How well, if if that's the line of logic you're using, how does this happen then? You know, that kind of stuff. There's little things like that. This episode wasn't as much like that, but you learn more about Shaw, which he's becoming more likable every episode, the uh, captain of the Titan. Yeah. Um we find out a big piece of his personality and he gives one of the greatest lines in Star Trek I've ever heard. And the way he delivers it, like there's such hate in it that it's like, oh my God, this is awesome. Oh. Yeah, it's... Uh, do you, you want to share with the kids? Or? Uh, well, I spoiler alert if you haven't watched the episode yet, but uh, we find out that Shaw kind of hatred it's kind of it's kind of a straight lift from ben cisco where he was at the battle of wolf 359 and he has survivor's guilt yeah but then he uh, says a line about picard where he uh he essentially says in there's a setup to it so it would mean more if you heard the setup but essentially a borg so deadly they gave it a name Oof. 
And just the way he does, it's such a gut shot to Picard. But uh, also in that scene, uh, Picard drops a really, and some people don't like it. I actually thought it was pretty awesome. Dropped a great F-bomb. Oh. Yeah. So that's exciting. Yeah. And uh, like I said, it's a really cool episode. It's very, it's very next generation in parts of it. And it has uh, a a part at the very end that's as much next generation as any part of a card has been. And it was very cool. Yeah. So very cool stuff. Pretty amazing. It's a really, and you know what, what's great about it. And you forget how good of a director Jonathan Frakes is. He directed the episode last night. He's directed some of the best episodes of Picard, of Discovery, even uh, like, uh, I want to say he did Enterprise and a couple of the other ones, but uh, just really like- Dude directed First Contact. And that's the thing that, there's parts of last night's episode, it looked like a movie. It looked like a movie. Not a TV show, a movie. That's really cool. Yeah, it really is. So if you get a chance, watch Picard. It, it's pretty amazing. So anyways, uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Mike Ray is from CinemaBlend.com. Uh, we'll have all his information at the bottom of the page. Mike, you have yourself a wonderful weekend, okay? You as well, sir. Engage.